Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. I'm your host, Holt Norris, joined by my good friend Jordan Brooks. We call him JB. What's up, JB? I'm excellent, Holt. I cannot wait for this weekend. I think, feel like this is the kind of weekend that, you know, we had circled in the preseason. And, you know, it's crazy. Just a month ago, we hadn't even had the season start yet. So, like, this, you know, I say it every week, but the season flies by. But I'm excited. Yeah, well, the first three weeks were, um, you know, kind of slept through them a little bit. Not a ton of big matchups, but it, it's really getting cranked up this weekend. we got a ton of top 25 matchups, a ton of SEC matchups, so uh, I'm pretty excited to get into it. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't even know which game to even start with as far as, like, which one we're most intrigued with. I mean, there's big games in the Pac-12, separation games in the SEC. you got a separation game in the ACC this weekend. I mean, this is... And even the Big Ten as well. Like, this is really separation Saturday. Yep. And this is our uh, preview podcast for uh, week four. Um, so, per usual, we're going to uh, pick all the SEC games um, with the spread, um, chronological, based on when they start. Uh, we'll give you our upset picks of the week and lock of the week and the national games we're most intrigued by um, also at the end of the podcast. Um, so, JB, are you ready to just go ahead and get into it? Yeah, let's dive right in. All right, well, in the 11 a.m. Central Standard Time uh, time slot. God's time. We're getting kicked off with uh, Auburn traveling over to Texas A&M. Uh, two very uh, fun head coaches um, to, to watch what they do. Um, Texas A&M is a seven-and-a-half point favorite in this one. What are you thinking about this one, JB? Yeah, I mean, I think that line is pretty, it's pretty fair from what I can tell. And um, Last week, Auburn got off to a sluggish start. On offense, they didn't even score until almost midway through the second quarter before they got things going. But Peyton Thorne had a solid game. You know, they ended up having over 500 yards of offense for Auburn. Um, that was a really good confidence booster. Um, A&M, you know, they had a solid week last week against Louisiana Monroe. This is a game that uh, I wouldn't say necessarily Hugh Freeze has to have, um, but this is a must-win for Jimbo Fisher, especially after slipping up against Miami. He's got to win this win. He's also got to win next week as well. Um, this is really intriguing matchup. Um, kind of just is a bummer that this game has to be at 11 a.m. You know, as, as great as this weekend is, this is, uh, you know, an unfortunate thing for A&M that it has to be an 11 a.m. start. But, you know, with that negative 7.5 line, or sorry, I might say negative. It's nothing negative about it, but they are a 7.5 point favorite. Um, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to go with uh, A&M to cover. I, I like A&M to uh, have a really strong outing in this week. Um, so I'm going I'm to go with A&M to cover. I think Wegman has a really good game through the air. All right. Well, um, I will have to agree with you on that. I'm also going to take uh, Texas A&M uh, negative seven and a half, like you so eloquently <laughs> put it. Um, I, this is actually mainly coming down to Texas A&M's defense, particularly the run defense, um, averaging 98 yards uh, rushing per game. Um, you know, even Miami really wasn't able to run the ball against them that much. It was much more through the air. Auburn has really had to rely on the running game early in the season. They're just not clicking in the passing game. They don't have those elite receivers um, that Hugh Freeze is used to coaching. Uh, Peyton Thorne did some good things last week, uh, both in the air on, and on the ground. But I think Texas A&M in a hostile environment is going to be a little bit too much for him. Not a, not a blowout win by any means, but I definitely like uh, A&M to get this win pretty comfortably. And um, also at 11 a.m., JB, uh, Kentucky um, heads down to Nashville to face uh, the Vanderbilt Commodores coming off of a really tough loss to UNLV last week. Um, dug up a uh, kind of an interesting stat in this one, which I'll tell you in a, in a minute. Um, Kentucky is a 13 and a half point favorite. Um, 
They haven't looked too, Kentucky, that is, has not looked too great through the first few weeks. They are still undefeated. Um, maybe not clicking as much on offense as uh, people expected. Um, and finally getting into conference play this week um, against Vanderbilt. Uh, but I did dig up this stat just in my uh, in my research uh, before the podcast. Um, Kentucky has played really well at Vanderbilt since 2017. Um, when I was when I think about the series in my head, I think that it, it sort of feels like it's a close game every year. But it's actually only been close games in Lexington. Um, when uh, the last three trips down to Nashville, Kentucky has won 44 to 21, 38 14, and 34 17. So uh, all three of those, uh, more than two touchdowns, the last three trips down there. So I think I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Kentucky. Um, you know, again, not I, I like some of the things Vanderbilt's done on offense, but um, these last two weeks have really got me down on Vanderbilt, and uh, I'm taking Kentucky uh, minus a 13 and a half. Okay, so you're going you're going with uh, Kentucky um, based off uh, previous years, um, and I'll go ahead and just give you you know my analysis of this game. I don't think Vanderbilt is as bad as their two and two record really shows it is. Like I know it's been you know tough losses at Wake Forest and at UNLV, UNLV last week. That was a heartbreaker. But I mean on the flip side, I mean Vanderbilt's been really solid offensively. I mean AJ Swan's having a low key solid season. Yeah, they are. Um, the ball well. I mean I do like watching them in, on offense, and um, this is a game you know they're wounded animal mode. I mean. This, like I said, they should they couldn't afford to lose the UNLV. That was a horrible loss by no stretch of the imagination. Um, but this is I think Vanderbilt's going to come into this game um, very well prepared, great mindset, Clark Lee, wounded animal special. Um, I'm going to pick uh, Vanderbilt to cover that 13 and a half point spread. All right. Well, our first disagreement of the week, um, and I, I do like what you said about uh, Vanderbilt's offense. Um, they have been pretty. They have been throwing the ball pretty well, which is good to see. Um, you know, defensively and running game has really been their problem. But the quarterback and receivers are playing really well for Vanderbilt. Uh, but you know, thinking that Kentucky offense might finally get clicking uh, this week. It's about time for them. Yep, I'm sure the Kentucky fans are ready for that. Um, moving to the 2:30 time slot, uh, the always intriguing matchup of uh, Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin facing off against uh, his former. Um, you know, I guess mentor, uh, rehab uh, instructor, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they kind of revitalized his career um, and Nick Saban. So um, Alabama is a seven-point favorite in this one. Uh, Jalen Milroy is going to be getting the start. That uh, was announced earlier this week. Um, Ole Miss had a pretty exciting game. And, uh, yes, we will talk about uh, JB showing me that uh, he thinks I missed the uh, UTSA Tennessee game, but that game's at 3 p.m., is it not? You know what? You're right. For some reason, I thought that was an 11 a.m. game. That's my fault. Let's just. Uh, <laughs> I thought we were going chronological order, but no, no, you you pretty much are. You're going chronological order as far as um, timing. So yeah, we'll we'll stick with Alabama Ole Miss for now. Okay, because because Alabama Ole Miss starts at 2:30. It does. I don't know why I thought Tennessee right. UTSA. You know what, JB? Why don't you just why don't you just let me run the podcast? Okay. I'll let you run it, bitch. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Ole Miss uh, is a seven-point underdog in Tuscaloosa. Um, you know, I forgot what I was saying. So Alabama really struggled last week against uh, South Florida um, on the road. Uh, they're coming back home, getting a touchdown uh, for Lane Kiffin. So what are you thinking about this one? Yeah, I mean, every year it seems like that, uh, you know, Lane Kiffin's got his best for Nick Saban. Of course, you remember last year in Oxford, um, you remember – Lane Kiffin slamming his headset and his uh, clipboard after uh, you know a failed conversion at the end of the game. Alabama held on. 
This one, you know, there's a lot of people who are thinking that the wrong team is favored. I'm sure you've seen some people around college football talking heads are thinking that this is a big line, not just for Alabama, but also that maybe Ole Miss should have been the team that's favored. Um, but I think this is more of a respect thing for Alabama. Um, Jalen Milrow is going to be getting a start now, so that means that uh, Saban's figuring, you know, we need to trust his legs to uh, help create plays for this anemic offense, especially with an offensive line that has not performed up to their standards. Um, but you know what? I really like Ole Miss going into this game. I think this is a great matchup for Ole Miss. Um, I'm going to pick Ole Miss to cover that seven-point spread. Yeah, I'm going to have to take Ole Miss to cover the seven points as well. I mean, Alabama just hasn't really shown me enough um, so far this season. Um, this is kind of a crossroads for me where, um, you know, when your preseason predictions need to just, like, not matter anymore. Um, yeah, I said in the preseason, Alabama was my pick to win the West, and um, I thought that the game they were most likely to lose was going to be the Texas game, and I did think they would lose at least one game. So, I mean, technically they are still alive in terms of my preseason predictions, but it's just the way that they've looked offensively is not really giving me a lot of faith. This is such a big game for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Um, they really are judged by how they play against Alabama uh, for a lot of people. This is like, this is the game that people want to see Ole Miss play. They want to see Lane Kiffin versus Nick Saban. And um, let's not forget Pete Golding, defensive coordinator for Ole Miss, uh, worked for Saban for, you know, was it three, four years? Yeah, uh, before moving over, he knows. To he knows. Oxford. He knows how to. He knows how to coach against so, Saban. He knows the personnel. He knows what. Um, what to expect. Yeah. So th there's just a lot of things working in Ole Miss's favor. I think in this one, um, I think one of two things is going to happen. I think either um, Alabama gets it together. They, you know, they win a hard-fought game on Saturday. They, you know, they beat Mississippi State next week, and then they're kind of on track for that matchup against LSU later in the season. Yeah, um, let's, let's also let's, uh, not overlook the fact that uh, Ole Miss is not looking ahead in this game. This is a game that, obviously, Lane Kiffin wants. I think this is the game he circled the most. Of course, man, if Ole Miss were to find a way to go in Tuscaloosa and win this game, they're going to be playing at you know against LSU at home the following weekend. And then they host Arkansas the next weekend after that. So, really, Ole Miss's season and their chances of winning the West are going to come. We're going to know, basically, by the end of uh, you know September – where Ole Miss stands, you know, as far as the West race, because this, this is the most pivotal three weeks coming up for them. Yeah, and, um, you know, there's also the possibility that Alabama just completely falls apart and loses this game. And Man, everyone, could you imagine the, the the fire in Tuscaloosa? Yeah. I mean, I, two and two. Yeah, I think people would be calling for Nick Saban to retire at that point. I, I wouldn't and be surprised. I, man, I would not want to be calling for Nick Saban to retire. But, uh, you know, I mean, I do think that – some red flags are definitely going to be going up if Alabama loses this game. I mean, I it think it's just going to be. People will be uh, raising eyebrows. But it'll be an intriguing game one way or the other. Um, that's for sure. Um, Jackson Dart, if they're going to, if Ole Miss is going to win, they're going to need him to have a big game. He was really their entire offense last week, um, and he's looked really good this year. So um, they really need a big game out of Jackson Dart if uh, Ole Miss is going to win this one. And then uh, at the three thirty or at the three o'clock time slot. Uh, UTSA uh, travels to Knoxville. Um, they're a 20-and-a-half-point underdog to the Vols. Um, from what I've heard earlier this week, Coach Trailer from UTSA is saying that their quarterback has a turf toe injury, and um, it's questionable if he's going to play or not. Obviously, we're recording this on Tuesday night, so some things may change between now and game time. But uh, I think this is a bounce-back game for Tennessee. Um, I think they uh, are going to – 
you know, not necessarily run up the score, but I do think that they're going to try to get uh, some confidence going. Um, and with uh, UTSA's quarterback being kind of banged up, I like Tennessee to cover the 20 and a half. Yeah, like in the preseason, I really thought this was a big trap game. One, um, I thought Tennessee was going to probably be 3-0 and at this point. I also didn't think that uh, UTSA was going to be 1-2 and at this point either and that Frank Harris was going to be injured. Um, but Frank Harris, I mean, what a stud he's been for UTSA the last few years. And really unfortunate that he's been struggling with his turf toe, kind of just derailed UTSA's season, uh, being 1-2 and two at this point and staring down 1-3. and three. Um, But I do like Tennessee to uh, cover this 20-and-a-half-point line. I think this is one of those games where they just have to get focused and figure out the ways to get better because after this week, um, Tennessee's got a pretty tough stretch. I mean, they do have South Carolina at home the next week. Um, but after that, you know, they got a week off before they host A&M and Alabama. So they got to get things right in a hurry um, if they're wanting to um, have a, you know, another good season on Rocky Top. All right, so I missed it. Are you taking Tennessee to cover? I am taking Tennessee to cover. Right, Minus so 29. We're agreeing on that one. Um, 6 p.m., Arkansas travels uh, down to Baton Rouge to take on uh, LSU. Um, two completely different performances last week, Arkansas – loses a really tough one um, at home to BYU, who's, you know, not really a great team. Um, LSU had a big blowout win on the road against Mississippi State. Uh, LSU is a 17-and-a-half point favorite um, into this one. Um, and the last five matchups in this one have been a one-possession game. Uh, the only one that was not a one-possession game was the uh, 2019 LSU team with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and all those guys. Uh, versus a Chad Morris Arkansas team. So <laughs> quite a mismatch in that one. But this is typically a very close game. Um, even with it being in Baton Rouge, I think Arkansas bounces back this week and covers a 17 and a half. I, I like LSU to win. Um, I don't necessarily expect this to be, um, you know, a really close game, but I do expect uh, Arkansas to keep it within a 17 and a half. Well, I guess this is where you and I part ways. I really think that LSU is a is a really good team. I mean, I like I keep going back to that Florida State game in the fourth quarter. That was just a mental breakdown. I think LSU has been nothing but solid ever since that game. Going into Starkville last week, hostile environment, Mississippi State's you know biggest game of the season at home, and they just marched into Starkville and just absolutely dominated them on both sides of the ball. I really like LSU to continue that momentum this week. I think they're going to cover that 17 and a half point spread and going to Oxford next weekend as a top 10 team looking to cement their foothold on the whole entire you know, SEC West. And also at 6 p.m., uh, Charlotte is at Florida. Florida is a 28-point favorite. Um, don't really have a lot to say about this game uh, other than I think I'm going to take Florida to cover the 28. I don't have much to say except uh, Charlotte is my wife's alma mater, so I'm going to pick Charlotte to cover just so that I don't have to sleep on the couch tonight. So I'm going Charlotte, um, plus 28 against Florida. I'm sure she appreciates that. She does. Um, it's 6.30, um, another really exciting matchup for Georgia. They just, they're just having a, they just have quite the schedule this season. Uh, UAB at Georgia, <laughs> minus uh, 42 points. Um, can, uh, can Trent Dilt recover the 42 points? No, he cannot. Um, even though I, I do admire what Trent Dilfer is doing in Birmingham, I do think he's going to have that program winning. Um, they're just – no one's up to Georgia's level. I think Georgia's going to handle their business, win by 42. The only reason they may not is if Kirby Smart decides to call off the dogs in the second half, no pun intended. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that after last week they're going to um, try to 
score some points this week, and truthfully, UAB is not going to score. So as long as UGA can get to 42, I think they're going to cover, and yeah. I think they will. My thinking is the final score would be something like, uh, I don't know, like 52 to 3. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking something along those lines as well. Um, also at 6.30, a really exciting matchup, um, especially for us. But um, Memphis is traveling up to Missouri. Uh, Missouri coming off a big win. Uh, I believe Memphis is still undefeated. They should be, they're 3-0, I believe, right? They are. They are and, a 3-0 uh, team. Missouri's a 5.5-point favorite. And this is not in Columbia. It's actually in St. Louis, right? This is in St. Louis. This is a game that was originally going to be in Memphis at the Liberty Bowl, but uh, Missouri um, was able to buy out that game and move the game to St. Louis for the final game in the home-and-home home series. Not really a home game for Memphis. Uh, it's called a neutral site game in St. Louis, but let's face it, that's pretty much another home game for Missouri. All right, so you're taking Missouri minus five and a half? Well, I guess I need to give some analysis. So, um, you know, for Memphis, uh, they've been a thorn in the side to a lot of SEC teams over the last several years. Um, they've beaten both Mississippi schools in the last 10 years, and even in the games that they haven't beaten an SEC team, they've always played them close. Um, like I said, they all, Memphis always treats playing an SEC team like it's their Super Bowl, and it is. I mean, that's the biggest game of the season for them. Memphis is going to bring a lot of fans to St. Louis. Um, it's just you know, a quick four-and-a-half-hour drive up I-55 to get to St. Louis for Memphis fans. They're going to bring them quite a bit of fans. I think Missouri fans will be surprised um, that Memphis will probably bring about, I'd say, five, ten thousand 10,000 people up there. Um, but I like Missouri to cover. I think Missouri is just more talented than Memphis. Memphis, I mean, even though they are 3-0, and they, I saw some things against uh, Navy that I was not really pleased to see. One, they could not um, stop the run. And also, I mean, even against Navy, they were struggling to defend the pass, even with the few times that they did throw. And I just think that Eli Drinkwist is going to really exploit that Memphis defense. And I just, the way I see it is that I think Missouri can score at will if they want to against Memphis. The question is, can Memphis score at will against Missouri's defense? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think that this is going to be a really tough game for Memphis. I do think that they're going to be up for it. This is going to be a big game. Um, I expect it to be a close game in the first half, but you know, Missouri's defense versus Memphis's defense, I mean, is about as drastic as you can get. The offenses might be comparable, but defensively, Missouri is a much better team than Memphis is. I think they're going to pull away in the second half and yeah. win this game. By yeah, my final score would be something like, you know, 38 to 20. Yep. Um, so, also at 630, uh, Mississippi State and the worst offense in the conference travels to South Carolina and the worst defense in the conference. So, that'll be an interesting matchup. Um, South Carolina is a six and a half point favorite at home against the Dogs, JB. Um, I guess I should probably pick this one first since you picked the last one. Um, I mean, I don't think it really matters because it doesn't we, really matter. Who we picks we have our picks already written down, so it's not like we're. We do. It's not like it's one. not like we're uh, just surprising each other with our picks. But uh, I am gonna go ahead and take South Carolina to cover the six and a half. Um, the only reason I say that is because of Mississippi State's secondary versus South Carolina's uh, passing game. You know, Mississippi State's going to stop the run pretty well, but I don't think South Carolina's even going to try to run it. Um, you know, they they really did not try to run the ball at all against Georgia last week either. Um, I expect uh, South Carolina to put up some big plays in the passing game this week, um, some explosive plays, um, and I think that's going to be the difference. Um, another low-key interesting thing to keep an eye on in this one is uh, uh, special teams matchups. Um, Mississippi State is a really good kick returner and a really good punt returner. Um, the freshman <laughs> kicker has been uh, performing really well, which is unusual for Mississippi State kicker to do well. Um, and uh, obviously, we know Beamer Ball and all that they do um, as well. So, 
Special teams might be the most exciting part of this game. It's hard to win a night game at Williams Rice Stadium. I mean, that, those uh, fans in Williams Rice are going to be up for this one. Um, they're one and two, backs against the wall. Um, this is, I honestly feel like, even though this is a tough game to pick on paper, I think this is as evenly matched as I can pick. Like, if they were on a neutral field, I, I mean, I honestly don't know who I'd pick. I'm going to pick uh, State to cover, but I like South Carolina to win in a very close-knit, ugly football game. I don't think it's going to be a pretty football game. The one thing I will mention is that, uh, you know, like you said, State's weakness is their secondary, and South Carolina's strength is their passing game. And I feel like that's where South Carolina is going to be able to exploit State a lot. Um, but, you know, South Carolina's defense is not a lot, it's not even all that great either. Maybe this is a coming out party for State's offense to get things right against that uh, you know vulnerable South Carolina defense. And I think South, State's going to be able to keep up a little bit with uh, – with uh, South Carolina. I think there's going to be some plays on both sides of the ball. Um, but like I said, I still think it's going to be a pretty ugly game for the most part. But I'm going to go with um, State to cover, plus six and a half. Yeah, and it'll be uh, interesting to see um, how Mississippi State uses uh, the quarterbacks this week. Um, you know, Mike Wright played a good bit in the first game, had some big plays on the ground. Um, and I mean, even early in the game when it was still a, a close game, uh, week two against Arizona, played a little bit. Last week for LSU, played very little. So um, they're kind of struggling with uh, Will Rogers, um, picking up the new system as well as the offensive line. So it'll be interesting to see if they get Mike right in there just to see if he can do something. Um, you know, I mean, I feel like when you're behind a bad offensive line, it could help to have a more of a mobile quarterback. It really does. And, you know, I mean, obviously I'm not trying to look ahead too much, but, I mean, South Carolina, they are one and two. And I, I do say they're actually against the wall, but the next three weeks, including Mississippi State this week, and they got State, uh, then they got Tennessee on the road next week, and then they have an off week before they bring uh, Florida into town. Who you know, is maybe, who knows what, how good that Florida team is? We don't really know yet. But all three of those games are toss-ups. But I think for South Carolina to have the season they want, they're going to have to go at least two and one in that stretch to uh, have a chance to have you know a better season than last year. Yeah. I mean, what are you thinking about, like, the loser of this, like, the coach of the losing team in this one? Like, what, what are we thinking for Beamer or Arnett? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you had to pick which coach I think is feeling the most heat um, after this game, I think it's going to be um, Arnett if he loses this game. Um, I don't think Beamer is going to feel as much heat after this game because he got some good well victories at the end of last season, beating, uh, you know, Clemson and Tennessee. I mean, that's what a lot of people – forget about is that he he basically kept two teams from making the college football playoff last year um i think i bought him another year of goodwill so i think no matter what happens for south carolina this year i think boomer has another year in him i mean what happens if arnett shits the bed and they go i don't want to say it but what if they go three and nine or four and eight does uh state decide okay screw it we're just gonna go ahead and cut our losses now bring in a new guy restart just leave the mike leach era in the past Yep, I'd have to agree with you on that. I, I think even if State goes 6-6, six and six, I could see them get rid of Arnett. I mean, I think really the only reason that he got the job is because of the timing. Continuity. And, and how everything happened. You know, I, I think a lot of it just had to do with, um, you know, signing day was coming up. Um, you know, obviously it's a tragedy, so you don't want to, like, immediately jump into a coaching search um, just out of respect for, you know, Mike Leach and his family. And then um, – you know, I mean, the other thing, too, is just like you said, I mean, the continuity aspect of it, which they had a lot of players trying to come back this year, and it was like a week before signing day, and there's transfer 
you know, portal people, uh, players like visiting, you know, it's just, I mean, there's never a good time, but you know, it's just the way that it happened. And I think that, uh, you know, now that, and also, which I didn't mention is they didn't have an athletic director at the time. So they didn't really have one person who was going to be in charge of the coaching search. So, um, I think that, uh, Based on all of that, I think there is a potential that Mississippi State could move on after one season from Zach Garnett. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that scenario. And, and Mississippi State was in a very tough spot uh, with the passing of Mike Leach. Timing could not have been worse, you know, for when when that happened. And as far as making it, you know, a, a switch. And I think hiring Garnett was more of a show of uh, continuity and keeping the team together. I'm um, going into this season. Um, but I, I do, I can definitely see them moving on from Garnett. I don't even know what his buyout is, but I don't even think it's probably that high. No, I don't think so. Um, but anyway, uh, we'll go ahead and move on from that. Um, I hate to <laughs> talk about, like, uh, coaches' jobs, but honestly, that's one of the things that intrigues me the most. I love talking about, like, coaches getting fired and hired. That's, like, the, one of the most fun yeah, things. Yeah, I mean, I, me. if, if you had to ask me right now between Arnett and Beamer, like, if both of these coaches are going to be there in three years from now, I'm going to tell you they're not. I don't think either yeah. of these coaches are going to be the guys. Of course, a lot of uh, – I can tell you that Shane Beamer is probably going to be listening to this podcast. He's going to be looking for us on Twitter, and he's going to get really wide-eyed in a press conference two weeks from now and uh, call us out for uh, you know being naysayers for him that we need to get our shots in right now. Yeah, well, Hugh Freeze is definitely going to be in our DMs after picking uh, <laughs> after picking A&M to cover earlier. Um, but uh, moving on to more of our uh, national stuff, I guess. Um, you know, this is, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, the most exciting game of the year so far, or most exciting weekend of the season so far. Um, so, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and give our upset picks of the week, our locks of the week. Um, so, I'll let you go first, JB. What's your uh, upset pick of the week? My upset pick of the week, so we talked earlier when we were making our SEC picks. I picked Vanderbilt to cover that plus 13 and a half. I'm not only picking Vanderbilt to cover, I am picking Vanderbilt to upset the Kentucky Wildcats at home. I think A.J. Swan has a really big game through the air. I like Vanderbilt, too. I bounce back and make up for that loss last week against UNLV. Go Doors. All right. Um, my upset pick of the week is actually probably even more surprising than that one. Um, they really burned me in week two, and I can't believe I'm going back to the well again, but uh, I'm going back to uh, Waco, Texas. Coach Aranda, I think they pulled an upset win at home um, against the Texas Longhorns on Saturday. Now, that would be a shocker. Yeah, an um, absolute shocker. They absolutely would be. I mean, Texas, they're they're kind of riding high. They beat Alabama, but outside of that, they haven't been playing great. I mean, they uh, they really struggled against Wyoming last week. Um, they didn't play great against Rice week one. And, um, you know, Baylor, they've had, obviously, the tough loss to Texas State to start the season, and they really outplayed Utah in that game and kind of blew it at the they end. They really did. I think, I think Baylor um, – you know, obviously this being an in-state rivalry, Texas is leaving the conference. You know, Texas is going to get everybody's best shot in the Big 12 this year. They are. And this is, a, you know, Texas's farewell game in Waco. Who knows when they'll ever play another game in Waco. I think Texas is just going to be kind of school. They're really not going to play any of those schools from Texas anymore once they move on. Yep. Yep, I agree. And it's sad to, it's sad to see. Um, it really is. But this is the way college football is now. Um, and uh, for my lock of the week, uh, I'm going up. Speaking of teams that have now looked great to start the season, uh, my lock of the week is actually going to be Michigan minus 24 against Rutgers, JB. Um, 
The reason why I'm going with this one is Rutgers has looked pretty decent so far this season, and Michigan has kind of looked terrible. Uh, but this is the first conference game for both of these guys, for both of these teams, and I think Michigan is just gonna handle Rutgers like no problem. I think that Rutgers is not as good as they've looked the first couple weeks. Michigan's a lot better than they've looked the first couple weeks, which I think has this line down a lot lower than it should be. And I think Michigan's going to take care of Rutgers uh, very easily in this one. Yeah, I like that pick, too. Uh, my lock of the week is another SEC game. I'm picking LSU um, to cover that 17-and-a-half, and I, I'm 100% confident that they're going to. I think this is a coming-out party for Brian Kelly and his team. Um, LSU, I think, is a big-time SEC contender. Um, people are writing them off after that first week against Florida State. I just think it's just a testament to how good Florida State is. We're going to see how good Florida State is this weekend when they play at Clemson, hostile environment. But I like LSU um, to uh, um, take care of business handily against Arkansas. All right. So, we're, I mean, your lock of the week and your upset pick of the week are both going against picks that I made because I picked Arkansas to cover and I picked Kentucky to cover. So I'm the anti-Holt. I, it seems like it. Um what uh so there's a lot of national big national games this week um which one would you say that you're most uh, intrigued by yeah i mean most people i know are i have one game circled that you know i don't have to mention but my game that i'm really interested in is the oregon state washington state game the pac-2 game um the pac-12 i think is the most exciting conference this year i mean i said that in the preseason i right now i mean it's wide open there are so many good teams in this conference i think we're Oregon State, Washington State are two of the top teams this season. Um, it's going to be a fun, rowdy environment in Pullman. Their offense is really awesome. Um, defensively, um, they look pretty sound in their first few games. I mean, they beat Wisconsin at home um, two weeks ago. And, you know, everyone was talking about Wisconsin being a much improved team, and they took care of business against them. And then also, let's not forget, they blew out Colorado State on the road in their first matchup. Um, Washington State's a really good team. Um, on the flip side, I really love Oregon State. Um, you know, they got DJ Uyagalele, you know, back from Clemson. I mean, that was a great transfer. Obviously, I think he was not the problem at Clemson. I think it was the system. He's having a really good year so far at Oregon State. Oregon State's defense, though, really awesome defense. So I'm, I'm anxious to watch this Washington State offense against the Oregon State defense. Um, I think that's really the funnest battle. But I really don't know who to pick in this game. But this is the game that I'm most excited about. I think Oregon State's a three-point favorite. That sounds about right. But I'm really excited to watch that one Friday night. I mean, Saturday night. Unfortunately, it might only have the fourth highest ratings, but it should be the high, one of the highest ones, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many good games on this weekend. Like, it's, it's going to be tough to, uh, to get those ratings for a game like that. But um, the game that is not going to have any trouble getting any ratings this weekend, um, the game that I'm most looking forward to is uh, Notre Dame-Ohio State. Um, obviously, Ohio State came in with a lot of expectations. You know, they haven't necessarily handle teams the way that uh, people have wanted them to at the, these first few weeks. They haven't really been tested. Um, Notre Dame, on the other hand, um, I wouldn't say they've you know really been tested either, but they've looked outstanding. Yeah, Notre Dame's looked good, and I think the difference I, – I like Sam Hartman a lot more in this matchup. I mean, I love experience, and they're also playing at home in South Bend too. South Bend's going to be a fun place to be Saturday night. I mean, it should be beautiful weather. In South Bend, you know, night game too. I love watching the game in South Bend under the lights. It's just not a type of place that you see, you know, lights. So I really like that uh, they finally put lights at that stadium a few years ago. And I mean, it's it's a tough matchup for Iowa State. Um, I'll go ahead and make a pick. I actually like the Irish to uh, come away with a big home victory here, thriller in the fourth quarter. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's looking that way for me, too. I mean, Ohio State, they really got to prove something. Um, this is their opportunity to do it. Um, you know, Ryan Day, it's hard to say, like, he's getting, like, people are getting antsy about him because they've been so good since he's been there. But he did inherit a really good situation from uh, Urban Meyer, so – um, and last year just felt like a total failure with that yeah. roster that he had. Yeah, and I mean, they got a loaded roster this year, too. I mean, obviously, they don't have uh, C.J. Stroud on their team, but um, really loaded Great roster. Receivers. And the, probably, the, yeah, some of the two of the best receivers in the country. Um, and uh, Notre Dame, I hate, I hate it when I do this, but they have a stud running back, number seven. I can't remember his name. <laughs> uh, but he is a monster. And then, of course, they have the Wake Forest transfer QB, who's played really well. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this game. This is going to be a really exciting one. Um, and then uh, also, JB, we are going to be in attendance for one of these big matchups. Uh, yeah. tell, tell the people where we're going to be on Saturday. Yes. Our uh, game of the week that we are attending is going to be in Clemson, South Carolina. We're going to that Florida State-Clemson game. We bought our tickets weeks ago thinking that this would be a potential top five matchup. And if Clemson hadn't shit the bed – in Durham, you know, yeah, week thanks one. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Clemson. I know. If they hadn't shit the bed, we would have had a top five matchup. This would have been probably the game day game of the week. I think game day would have chosen um, Clemson. I don't know. You think the game day would have chosen Clemson for a top five matchup? You still think they would have gone to South Bend? I mean, I think they would have gone to South Bend, but, I mean, who knows? That's a tough one. Um, I, but, I, I, honestly, I think they probably would have picked South Bend. You're right, but... Um, I think this game would have probably been a 3.30 game because I don't think they would have wanted to put that on ABC at 6.30 to compete against that, uh, you know, the, what is it, the Iowa-Penn State game on CBS and then the Notre Dame-Ohio State game on NBC. So, unfortunately, we're stuck going to a noon, nooner instead of a 3.30 game. Yeah, and it, it just feels weird what you just said about uh, Iowa-Penn State being on CBS. That just feels a little weird. Yep, Big Ten on CBS. We're getting previews this year. Um, the last year of SEC and CBS, but we're already seeing a little bit of the uh, CBS, you know, crews doing, you know, Big Ten games this year. It's going to feel a little weird. I, and, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think the Big Ten may be coming out ahead of the SEC um, with their arrangement, splitting CBS, NBC, and uh, Fox. I think that's really the, the way to go. I don't think the SEC got the best end of the bargain um, just getting a foothold on all the ESPN family networks and ABC. Yeah, I have to agree with you there, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, if uh, if anyone has any recommendations for where we should eat or what we should do while we're in Clemson, uh, we are going to be making a day trip out of it, so we're not going to be staying uh, the whole time. But I uh, just wanted, you know, me, JB, and Alex, we, um, you know, which long-time listeners of the podcast know who Alex is, um, we like to go to a new stadium every year. Um, we were supposed to go to this game last year in Tallahassee, but uh, unfortunately, Alex and his wife got sick, so they were not able to make it. But um, luckily, because of that, we were able to watch the Tennessee-Alabama game, which we wouldn't have been able to do if we went to that game. Yeah, so we ended up seeing the best game of the year in college football last year. So it wasn't the biggest loss. And on that Florida state Clemson game wasn't even that great of a game, honestly. No. So I think we came out okay. I think this Florida state Clemson game is going to be a thriller there. I can't wait to... See Clemson in Death Valley. See Dabo sprint down the hill, running his 440 down the hill, and uh, turning around, waiting on his players to come, you know, on their slow jog down the hill, <laughs> like a yeah. musical. That is gonna be. That's actually what I'm most looking forward to. But uh, yeah, we we try to go to a different stadium every year. Um, you know, we went to Baton Rouge a few years ago. Um, you know, we've been to. I don't know how many we've we been to now. Are you talking about stadiums? Yeah. Well, let's see. We did. 
Baton Rouge, and Neyland two years ago. I mean, I don't know if I count Neyland. Um, that was yeah, another separate game. But we did Baton Rouge two years ago. This first time we had been there. Um, what was it? Last year we were yeah, doing Tallahassee. We went to Auburn. We went to uh, Auburn in 2018. I remember that. We went to see, saw Auburn for the first time. I don't even know if we did anything because COVID really just killed a lot yeah, of our interest. Yeah, we couldn't interest. do anything in 2020. COVID killed a lot of our interest after that. So we didn't go to another new venue until Baton Rouge, and, you know, Death Valley two years ago. And then last year we were supposed to go to a new venue, and then Alex got yeah. sick. So this year we're hitting up another new one, Memorial Stadium, Death Valley, and Clemson. Next year I'm, I'll be, we'll definitely be hitting up another new venue. So that's always exciting for us. Um, I think also we'll probably attend at least one SEC game. I think we've got the uh, – Mississippi State Tennessee game circled in Knoxville is an intriguing game for both of us. Uh, I think we'll both attend that one, in addition to another new game somewhere else. All right. Well, um, I believe that's going to go ahead and wrap us up for this one. Um, unless you have anything else you want to add, JB. I do not. I'm excited for this weekend, though. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I, know what I else am to say. Too. I am too. I think. I we mean, all I'm, are. A man, I'm a man of few words. No, we are. We we both are. Um, but uh, moving uh, moving on, um, wrapping up the podcast, uh, if you guys would, just uh, follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at SCC Slow Smokes. Um, you can DM us any questions you want us to answer on the podcast, anything uh, sports-related, uh, country music-related, um, movie-related, um, pop culture, just just anything. J- JB can answer just about any question. JB's an encyclopedia of I am of an encyclopedia. I always get asked by my colleagues at work, like, how do you know that? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just well-rounded. I'm not like, you know, I'm not saying like, I'm just like so book smart, intelligent. I just, I'm very well-rounded. That's the best way to describe me. I know a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. You do know a lot of things, JB. Um, but, uh, that'll be it for this podcast. Um, you know, again, we record this on Tuesday, um, so that you guys would have uh, as much time as possible to listen to it before the game started. Um, but, uh, that being said, everybody enjoy your football. We'll see you on the next one.